Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. My name is Alex Croson. I'm alongside my co-host and your co-host, Casey Clapp. That's me. I'm Casey Clapp. I'm a co-host, your co-host. Alex, you're my co-host. Together, we are hosting in a co-fashion. Wow. Cooperative hosting. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the co stands for. A podcast first. A podcast first. No one's ever done this before. No, no podcast has ever had two hosts. It's so weird. They always go from like either one to three Mm -hmm. or more. Yeah. There's never, there's never just those two. Well, Casey, we're about, we're about innovation here. We really are. Yeah. We always want to be on the cutting edge. Yes. Yeah. The sharp side of the, the curve. Hey, how about this? The serrated side of the saw. Thank you. That's what I want to be on. Yeah, and also don't get too close to us. That's right. We'll cut you. Cut you. We will not cut. No, we'll probably not cut you. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure you're wearing your hard hats and your proper gloves so that if you do get cut, it's going to be an accident and no one's going to be you know blamed. Yeah. But, hey, looks like we got 366 days of uh, no injuries. That's great. <laughs> yeah, Casey our, checked the, yeah. the marker on the wall. Yeah, it's like a, it, you, just, you keep adding a day every single time. We don't have an accident. Yes. Yeah, very common in a workplace like this. Yeah, uh, the only accidents I'm having are pulling my back from sitting in a chair. Yeah, mine, mine are uh, straining my eyes when I'm stunned by all the information that I read, and my eyes kind of pop out like this. Right. You know? It's, it's, it's it. Casey, speaking of stunned and yeah. eyes, uh, you're yes. sitting in front of a window. Oh, I am. And the sun just came out, and you are glowing like an angel, my Thank boy. You. I feel like I'm glowing like an angel. Yeah, you look good. Hi, Casey. Hi. How you doing? Just doing great. Just doing great. Uh, just glad to be back here doing this. I'm excited about today's tree. I'm happy to be back. It's a nice day. feel like it's good to get, get the, the juices flowing again. Yeah. How about you? I'm okay. That's good. Guess what today is? What is today, Casey? It's your birthday, Alex. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you, Casey. By the time everyone hears this, that day will have come and gone. However, we can celebrate it nonetheless together. That's exciting. I'll celebrate twice. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Hmm. Happy birthday to you, Alex. Happy birthday to you. 
Thank you. I've never got. I've never received an atonal version of that song. <laughs> atonal? What are you talking about? That was like. That was like perfection. It's it like was, free jazz. <laughs> yeah, it was like free jazz. Yeah, actually, I almost scattered in the middle. Then I was like, mm. he doesn't want that. That's this is his day. Don't Happy do it. Happy birthday to you, ba-doo-ba-ba. <laughs> Oh, it sounds so good. It's like you're making a horn mouth sound. Yeah, I can anyway. do a pretty convincing mouth trumpet. Well, thanks, Casey. Yeah. I, I appreciate... Don't just gloss over that, Alex. We want to hear your pretty convincing mouth trumpet. Uh, I'll do it some other time. All right, that sounds good. This is your day. Uh, I am 33 years old. I've officially... I've always looked forward to 33 because it's a big year. Yeah, and if you twist uh, one of the threes around, you're 88. Uh, well, I would just be eight. Yeah, that's right. That's actually a better way to see that. Why would you excite? I assume that it wasn't because you could do that. No, I just think uh, 33, you know, Jesus, uh, a big year for him. Heard the guy. Yes, yeah, this is his big year. Yeah, did he wake up when he was 33? He's like, this is going to be the year. Yeah, probably. It's going to be the one. Yeah, bit of, bit of irony there. Yeah, isn't that the one that he uh, was, uh, you know, uh, crucified? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, okay. I, I, don't, mean, okay. I don't have that history down pat purportedly yeah purportedly sure purport yeah it was it was purported yeah i think so okay we've been doing too much etymological research here that's right doesn't get us anywhere more on that later in the show uh speaking of the show casey we got a really cool i would say a big tree to discuss today it's a big deal a big deal a big topic a big tree in fact you could say it's okay sorry Whoops. It's my birthday. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. Uh, today we are discussing the giant as fuck sequoia. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Casey, let's imagine as we do every episode that you and I, hey, how about we're walking through a, uh, am, am I right, uh, a northern Californian forest? Yes, that counts. Yeah. I kind of equate redwoods with this uh, with this tree. And that's, I mean, that that's very good. That is. I mean, this is the same. A it redwood is, is a, a sequoia, right? Uh, yes. Oh, are we getting into that at a diff, another time? Yes. Okay. We're going to get into that. It's going to be great. Uh, so let's imagine that we're walking through this forest. Hey, how about this, Case? Yeah. You and I are... Uh, we decided to take a trip to post-war Endor. Ah, um, no. Okay, you're. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Wrong tree. Well, let's let's skip the let's skip that whole section <laughs> and just say, Casey, let's ID this Where tree. Where the heck are we? <laughs> All right, Alex. Well, we can also ID this tree if we go out onto um. Well, Lambert Boulevard here in Portland, there hey. are several planted. There right. are several planted just probably within a half mile, not even a half mile, like within a quarter mile of your house in any direction. I bet you we can find four. Wow, cool. And here's the thing about them. They are huge. So you can tell from like a million years away, you know, what it is. They're huge. <laughs> but the thing is, um, the giant sequoia, they grow in... The very specific, and this is, we'll be specific about this so that we don't make, uh, we don't confuse things. We are talking about the giant sequoia, which grows at or above 4,500 feet in the Sierra Nevada mountains of central California. That's pretty specific. It's very specific. And the reason we're being specific is because these trees, meaning the redwoods, Mm -hmm. in quotes, are very constantly confused with one another. 
Okay, which is why I made the mistake twice yes. earlier in the episode. Exactly, and so that is, it's really just par for the course, honestly. The other tree that we could be talking about, maybe we will after this, I don't know, mm. is the coast redwood. Some people call it the coastal redwood. Okay. And they would say, well, you have the, uh, the mountain redwood and you have the coastal redwood, which is totally fair, but they are so wildly distinct different trees that you can't even be like, oh, there's the Douglas fir that grows here. The, say the shore pine versus the lodgepole pine. They're the same tree, just one grows straight as an arrow, the other one is a really crooked thing. So they're kind of like disjointed populations that are like different okay these are two completely different trees got it they do not hybridize they don't make any friends they just look at each other and they're like i'm gonna outgrow you wow the giant sequoia is very specifically the big one that grows out in the uh the mountains so the first thing that you're gonna know you're gonna like oh i have quite a bit of elevation here we're pretty high up okay so it's a little bit drier in the central California area. So if you're growing good, big, gigantic trees, which in this case we are, you have to be up at such an elevation that you get significant rainfall or sufficient rainfall so that the trees can, can grow. However, it's still a bit of a drought area, so you're going to be walking around in kind of a dry forest. It's going to be like pine needles everywhere. It's going to be uh, widely spaced trees. And then you're going to be walking around and you're going to be like, oh my God. God, and you'll see in the distance this monolith, mm. like a giant skyscraper planted right in the middle of what appears to you to be a wild wilderness of a forest. Are these solo growers? They are, but they also grow in in like pairs and buddies. But okay. imagine you were all like you you had one big gigantic tree. It's been growing for maybe a couple hundred years. Mm -hmm. And then you have a bunch of other couple hundred year old trees around it. Over time, those couple hundred trees, for whatever reason, break, they fall, they don't grow as big, this, that, whatever it is, but you have that one that has just maintained, and it has maintained for 3,200 years. Wow. And it just keeps getting bigger and 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 bigger until it is this massive, big, huge thing. Everything else has kind of come and gone. You know, in um, Garden State, I almost said Jersey State. <laughs> Garden State? I've never seen this movie. Oh, you haven't? But well, it was like everybody's fucking favorite thing in 2006. Yeah, I've seen a bunch. Uh, I've seen I've seen it like maybe once, once or twice, maybe, mm -hmm. but like seen like little snippets mostly okay but you'll probably recognize this famous scene of zach braff sitting on a couch with like everything moving around him really fast i think he was at a party and he just took molly but he was kind of depressed so he was just literally sitting on this couch and like had the, the, everything else was fast forwarded around him okay but he was just kind of sitting there and the camera was like you know zooming some way sure so that's kind of, imagine this tree doing that, where the forest around it is like coming up and growing and moving and changing, and a big tree comes uh. up over a couple hundred years, and then that one falls over and dies, or there's a pine tree there that just doesn't live as long, but this one just kind of goes up and stays there, and you can't see it, it's out of the camera frame now, but you can just see the trunk slowly expanding over time. Right. That's what these trees are like. Here's a spoiler, they can get like 25 to 30 feet in diameter. What? In diameter. Do you see this room? 30 feet? Yeah, this this room is about half the size of what a giant sequoia gets to. I can't even imagine that. No, it's unimaginable. 30 feet in diameter? 30 feet. I think the biggest is like 29 that they've measured. So, sorry. I don't even know, I don't even know if I believe you. you yeah, I know. You can, I'm going to give you a book. 
I guess I do believe you. Yeah, but you don't want to. Like it's it's unbelievable. It's in unbelievable the, in the literal sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, it would take you like it would take you like thirty seconds to walk from one end of the trunk to the other. Yeah, yeah, it would. It would take you some time. Like That's more weird. time than you think is even relatively reasonable. That is uh that's a thick ass tree. It is a thick ass tree. And so when you have a thick ass tree, if you're already thirty feet wide, just your trunk, mm-hmm. then your branches and the rest of your canopy way up are very likely going to be way, way bigger, right? So if you have a canopy that is so huge, then the next tree over is probably going to be from the center of your tree, maybe like 80 feet away. The next wow. big, 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 big one. And so you have like, sometimes they grow way closer together. Sometimes they're a little bit further apart. But that is kind of the weird forest dynamics in this area uh-huh. where essentially you have trees that are so big that in order to have another tree right next to it, like their canopies are touching, it could be 80 feet away. And the canopies are 40 <clears throat> feet. And then the stem itself is like, if you cut that in half, it's going to be 15 feet. So you have like 55 feet from the center of the tree out to a like moderately sized branch. That's impressive. Really impressive. I mean, that's that's the scale is almost even too much to fathom. Casey, yeah. uh, speaking of foliage, let's talk needles. Let's do it. I should oh, say let's talk leaves. Yes, let's do it. The 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 leaves because these needles aren't in fact uh, they're not needles at all. They're very all shaped, so they kind of are oppressed to the stem. So that stem has the needles that are pressed to it, the little uh, the little twig, and then they kind of pop out and come to a point. They don't look like what you'd expect a redwood to look like, which is the coastal one. And this is our distinction. We're going to say giant sequoia and either coast redwood or redwood for the ones that grow on the on the coast. Just as we go forward, we know exactly what I'm saying, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Scientific name, sequoia dendron giganteum. Big wow. one. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't say that. Yeah. Isn't what a great, great name? name. Yeah, it's like, who are you? I am Sequoia Dendron Gigantium. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Jesus. We're sorry. I fight I'm, for my father. <laughs> my father, Sequoia Dendron Gigantiatum. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what would what, Dendrum? Sequoia Dendron. Dendron Gigantium. Gigantium. I mean, that's yeah. like that's like a name that I would come up with. Uh, yeah, which is good because you're, it's the, the imagination is, is like... It, it, they're so unimaginable that when you look at it, you're like you're like a kid looking at it. You're like big tree, right? So then that's actually another term for this tree. Like they just called it the big tree. So Casey, I'm looking at the needles of the giant sequoia. Uh, it looks like a hybrid between like a regular sort of like pine needle, yeah, and like a cypress like scale like that's a perfect that's a very good description it's yeah. halfway in between it's like a, it's like an anamorph that's changing from one to the other but it got stuck <laughs> it's in the just middle kind of stuck in the middle and you're like oh it's like half iguana half girl yeah oh, that's they- weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i i i like the i like these needle i like yeah. this foliage it's really nice because they it, it spirals down the the little branch there but because of that it kind of looks like an armed like uh, it, I don't know. It looks like a juniper, which they do the same thing, but it's basically, it looks like a little stem has come out or a little twig, uh-huh. and it just has all these little sharp points coming up, like almost like a lizard tail or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's trying to protect itself in the desert. Yeah. It's pretty It's pretty good. Yeah. It's a good looking leaf. It's beautiful. And and they're like a dark green with like a, a tinge of blue to it, mm. like very often. And they they grow for, you know, 
extended areas, like maybe feet of the, of this branch. And then they they die back, you know, as as the branch ages. Yeah, the twig gets larger and um, is just you know as any evergreen does, it drops its older needles but keeps on a whole bunch of the newer ones, and it will do that. It, its little twigs also kind of come upwards like they they kind of come out and then kind of curl up just to the very end yeah so you you always will see them kind of come down and then sweep up just a little bit for sure they don't ever really droop down sometimes they do but generally they're they'll avoid that okay but the thing about them is that they are everywhere they grow huge these trees as we've noted and their bark is very very orange yeah let's talk bark it's like this this intensely fibrous dark bark that grows basically like straight up and then you have the 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 big furrows kind of start to develop as those big furrows develop you can like kind of grab onto them and if you push on it it feels like a very hard like woody pillow Mm. easy to touch you're gonna like it you can lean on it you can chill with it you can just have a good time but you can constantly tell them because if you're walking around you're like wow that's a huge tree. They're never the young ones are not very tall, especially if you plant them in the middle of a forest. They don't grow very tall. I'm sorry, in the middle of a park. They're not very tall right off the bat. They're actually kind of short. Hmm. They grow at a mind-blowing pace, like feet a year. They grow. Oh, really? Yeah, and they also grow outwards by inches a year. Like wow. they just never turn off their bark, I guess. Their bark will get especially at the base of a tree, it will be on a sp- 50 or 60 year old tree like six inches thick holy shit it just fucking grows is it it's sort of it sort of looks like it might have the same texture as like a cedar bark it does yeah is it kind of that that we've we've called it pre-sawdusted yes yeah it's just like it's kind of fuzzy looking yeah you know kind of yeah. flaky not even i wouldn't say flaky this would be like fibrousy and strappy okay but It'll get big, this thing, and it gets big when it's young. 50-year-old tree, which is young for these trees, as we've noted. They yeah. can live well past several thousand years. Um, they end up getting a like triangularly shaped base because their base is the oldest because that's you know the first little seedling that grows up. That's year one. And then every year after that, the tree grows out. So the very lowest point is the is the oldest point on a tree. Yeah. And then it just grows, and even if the tree is really young – comparatively speaking, it will be like four or five feet in diameter at the base. And then it'll just be like this really intense triangle up to the top. Huh. And then it'll have branches all the way down until someone prunes it off. Right. They, they'll just, they'll keep growing. They're not very shade tolerant, so they'll lose their lower branches over time. But if there's, if they're in the middle of a park, they're like, man, eh, I don't care. I'm just going to keep everything forever. Yeah. So I guess there are trees that, that grow up very columnal. Yes. But this one is more of a pyramidal or a cone yes, shape. Yes, that's um, perfect. So why? What is the distinction there? Like botanically, what's happening? You, I get the, you just said the the mm. bark just keeps growing, so yeah. the oldest bark continues to grow. It will never be as young as the youngest bark. Uh, yeah, correct. And, okay, but there's there is. Um, it's always going to be like one year older, right? Like right. in terms of the diameter. Okay. However, so there are two kind of main forms of how trees grow. The form one is called X-current growth, and that is the classic um, conifer shape where it looks like a triangle. Right. And then there's D-current growth where it grows up and out, and the branches um, are more like the classic um, 
ch- child drawing a tree. Like an oak tree. Exactly. An oak tree, a circle on top of a stick. That's decurrent. That is decurrent, as opposed, as opposed to excurrent, that is a triangle on a stick. Cool. Love it. And what's interesting about these trees, Alex, is that the younger ones will be perfectly, perfectly excurrent. Like a spire triangle. Like you can look at it and it's like zoop, zoop. They, they are dense, they are perfectly pointed, hmm. and they will maintain that exact same triangular look. If you go out anywhere in the landscape right now, you can find young giant sequoias just by looking at the tops of trees. And if you see one that looks like a almost fake, perfect triangle, yeah. it will be like the two sides are perfectly, they could be really long and skinny yeah. with this perfectly pointed top, or they could be a little bit fatter. And then the pointed top kind of uh, develops and it's kind of like, interesting, you know, like a little, like a, like imagine like a, a, a little chubby tree with like this little pointed cap on it. Uh-huh. They can kind of do that if they're kind of sl- growing slow. Uh-huh. If they're going really fast, then it's just like this this uh, this sentinel, just like straight up. Casey, let's talk uh, the giant sequoia cone. Let's talk the giant sequoia cone. This is, after all, a conifer. This sure is. This is an ancient conifer, Alex, as we've noted. And the the cone of this little little thing always grows. So unlike other cones where the the cone will grow to a certain size or a certain range of sizes and then just kind of fall off or like it's done. Yeah. The giant sequoia cone will, if it's attached to the tree, it will keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Wow. Until, you know, maybe like three or so inches, then it will end up falling off. Okay. But the thing about it is that it gets big. It, like three to four inches is not an unreasonable size mm-hmm. for them to be. Um, as opposed to... The redwood, the coast redwood, they are always like an inch or so long, never bigger. They do not keep growing on the tree. They grow to a certain size, then they stop, even if they're still attached. Okay. But giant sequoia cone, they will slowly get bigger and bigger and bigger as they're like growing. And then they'll kind of unattach themselves. And is that just like an annual thing? Yeah, they'll ju- they'll always put on a bunch of cones every year. Uh, so I, I look at this giant sequoia cone, and I guess I know where the seeds are. Yeah. Uh I mean, I see the slots, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do the, I mean? Is this a? Is this like? Are all conifers? Uh, are these the two? The two? Two seed per scale type? Um, I don't know for sure. I'd have to look that up real fast. Okay. But they do have the peltate scales. Peltate. So yeah, that means shield like. So they come right. out like this mm-hmm. rather than having a. Um, the central axis with a spirally arranged. Right. These are spirally arranged, but they're oppositely arranged in spirals. Other peltate uh, cones, we're talking mm-hmm. cypress cones. That's right. We're talking the Don Redwood That's as a peltate. right. Uh, others? Uh, the juniper and the um, bald cypress. There you go. And many others. Yeah. Specifically, what you've touched on here, Alex, is a whole family of trees known as the cypress family, Cupressaceae. And is the is the giant sequoia in the Cupressaceae family? Sure is. No kidding. Yes. Well, it, that's that explains its its scale. It totally does. Scale like leaves. Now, what's funny about this is there's been a huge amount of controversy about this specific point because uh, years ago they were two different families where you had Taxodiaceae, Taxodium being the genus for the bald cypress, and then Cupressaceae. There were two different distinct families in one. 
uh, one uh, order, I think is what it is. Mm-hmm. So at some point, uh, the scientists that are said, no, 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 there's not enough evidence. Like these are so closely related. This should be a subgroup within the Cupressaceae family. Oh. So that is, in fact, what they are nowadays. It is, I think, Sequoia Day is the sub genre of Cupressaceae that includes the redwoods, which is the Don Redwood, Coast Redwood, Giant Sequoia, um, as well as the Bald Cypress and Glyptostrobus and a couple other wacky things that kind of live out okay. in the world. So this is a this is a this is a step family situation. Uh, kind of really? cousin when it, when it's like cousin. Rem, like a removed cousin and then now they're replaced like they're 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 pulled back in so they're no longer removed i don't know i feel like the metaphor that came to my mind which as we've noted already our brains come up with different metaphors mm-hmm. mine would be something like yeah we're all cousins and then all of a sudden you realize wait we're actually siblings oh that's that's i think more what it interesting. is interesting okay you, it turns out actually no you just were you know you're the same you're the same family interesting so, what's curious, though, is that the difference being the uh, Cupressaceae family, most of those are oppositely arranged peltate scales mm-hmm. that are also alternating, like, 90 degrees. Right. So, you have, you know, like a crosshatch, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So, and that's going up this central axis. Whereas the giant sequoia the uh, and the uh, coast redwood, they actually have... Um, like spirally, so it's like a spiral pattern mm-hmm. going up of these oppositely arranged peltate scales. My brain hurts, Alex. That makes sense. It's a spirally arranged peltate as yes. opposed to a opposite uh, oppositely, arranged. which would be the yes. ninety degree, like a cypress cone. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's kind of the one of the big differences. It's not a hundred percent either way, but that is kind of one of those funny things you can tell. Oh, okay. So I see that they are in fact the same. They just have this one difference, and that one difference is enough to put them in this separate family group but not a different family entirely i i like that method though yeah. i mean because they they are they're sort of in between these two families yeah they really are um yeah. casey we have so much more to talk about we sure do uh however we must do so after the break we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary professional welder shana ford used vr training developed by forge fx to hone her skills as a welder the more time that you spend practicing it that's what separates a good welder from a great welder vr training can help students like shana repeatedly practice specific skills virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have the smoother your weld is explore more stories like shana's at meta.com slash metaverse impact A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the giant sequoia, sequoia, dendra, 
Gigantium. That's close enough. What is it? You get half credit. Sequoia dendrin. Dendrin. Is in dendrin, meaning a tree. I missed So this it. is like big tree. Yeah. Sequoia dendrin. Actually, someone came up with a, I was reading about the etymology of the, uh, of the sequoia. And apparently, it actually comes from uh, a couple different things. Some people said that it is, um, it's named after a Sequoia, which is a, a Cherokee mm-hmm. um, person. And this was, they, uh, apparently a polymath is what they say, is a Native American polymath in the Cherokee Nation. Great. And um, so they say, oh, well, they must be named after Sequoia. But it turns out the guy who actually did it, um, who actually named it, his name is Stephen L. Endliker, and he named the tree, but he also like has he kind of took from two different places. He wanted to name it after this uh, this person, um, Ch- or Sequoia, mm-hmm. um, but also noted that sequi s e q u i in Latin means to follow, right? Um, and wanted to say that it followed the uh, the seeds of the other trees in the genus, like their seeds followed it, looked like it. Hmm. So he basically said, "Hey, I can actually do both of this." So he changed the spelling of sequoia from s e q u o y a h to s e q u i o. Hey. He's having a little fun with the word yeah, there. Yeah, kind of messed around with it and kind of uh, made it work for both things, which I think is pretty cool. It's kind of like taking it and naming it after somebody, but also Latinizing it without making it like um, just adding the I-I at the yeah. end, which is really kind of, you know, a cop-out in my opinion. That's kind of that's kind of an interesting... It, it, I will say, as you were saying that, I was, I was noting the uh, tragic irony that uh, this tree is essentially named after an indigenous uh, person. Yeah. Um, and then the most famous of this species is named after a war general. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <clears throat> which is kind of and, and then Washington bit, yeah. and uh, well, and, and Alex, it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a I don't know it's a little tone deaf I think it is which you know classic eighteen hundreds United States of America yeah. so you know you're you're exactly right but let's rename it let's rename oh we totally should we did that with Denali so let's do it what would you rename General Sherman. I don't know. Honestly, I'd have to consult the peoples who were there hanging around with it the whole time. We, that is the correct answer. Yeah, all right. Great. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. I could come up with a couple names, but they would all be like these kind of Latin weird names that mean something that have nothing to do with the culture that, you know, lived around them this whole time. Yeah, so, I, I like that answer a lot, Casey. So these trees that you just brought up, you said uh, they were named after different people, right? Yeah. So... The thing that we're talking about today is the giant sequoia and how fucking crazy grand they really are. Right. So, so some, sometimes, most times when we talk about a tree, uh, we have a, uh, a centerpiece kind of discussion. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a, a main topic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is an other related topic to the tree. Sometimes the tree is so cool and unique we did this for the monkey puzzle, for mm, instance. Yep. That we just we just talk about the tree. Today is one of those days. It sure is. We're just talking about this tree, pure and simple. Amazing it is. Buckle up. I love these ones because then I just got to talk about the tree, and I just think they're so fascinating. I yeah. love I love them all. To be very clear, it's good. You are all my children. I love you all equally, but I love giant sequoia the best. Mm. That's not true. This is like a this is like a succession moment. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, someone here will get the crown. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Redwood. Have you watched Succession, Casey? I have not. I've seen zero episodes. Okay. 
You're not a big TV watcher. No, I I read too many books. Oh, brother. I should like, you can't do both. Give me the, <laughs> wow. Spare me. I will spare you, Alex. I read and watch TV. Well, I also d- sometimes do that. You read more than me, though. I, I don't know if I do. Not that it's a competition. Anyway, Alex, these trees, yeah. the the big ones, they're all in like a scattered amount of groves in in this Northern California, Central California, uh, Sierra Nevada land. Yeah. There's not a whole lot. Like, it's kind of stunning that they even exist at all. Very much like um, other trees that we've covered. Uh, the Peguen is a great example. The... Uh, Water fir is another example, the meta sequoia. Right. They just grow in like these little tiny groves that for whatever reason have been refuges for them to live in over the last, you know, several millions of years. And they just kill it in that zone. That's it. They just crush it there and almost nothing else can do it. In fact, they crush it there beyond anything else. Like they grow with sugar pine and incense cedar and a couple other kinds of trees. They pale in comparison. Like mm. a sugar pine, the biggest sugar pine would look like children's toys compared to the giant sequoia. Wow. So they named these as they found them. They came up with a couple different names. And of course, like I said, this is right after um, or during the Civil War when they really started exploring these things. Yeah. Initially found by John Muir or like initially like proclaimed amazing. Like some other folks found them in the middle looking for gold and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I remember a story. This one guy like came back looking for gold to like his camp and he's like, you guys are not going to believe what I just found. These are trees the size of houses. Like it's stunning. And everyone's like, whatever, Rob, you're you're drunk. Get out of here. Rob was probably drunk, but then they he took him over to this place, and they're like, oh, my God. These are the world's biggest trees. Like, there's nothing that's ever been found quite like this. And when you say found, we just want to be very clear. Yes. We are we are speaking from a, a sort of um, colonial perspective, unfortunately. Oh, for unfortunately. sure, yeah. Well, and sorry, I was trying <clears> – <throat> as I was saying that in my brain, uh-huh. I, was, I was thinking this guy said he found – like sort of insinuating because we already brought up like we'd ask the people who live there for millions right, of years, right? Uh, thousands of years. But yes, just thank you for bringing that up. That's exactly the right point. This person did not discover them. He just happened to be the first white guy to show other white guys. Mm. And then, of course, anyway, we'll bring up that in a second. So they started naming these trees, as you said, in a very tone deaf way. Yeah. But they've kept those names uh, forever since, and that's just the way it is, at least for the time being. But they named them things like General Sherman. Washington, General Grant, President yeah. Lincoln. Then there's a couple others that are more interesting, like Stag, Boole, Genesis, Ishi. I like Genesis. Yeah, Genesis is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a new beginning, right? Executioner. Yeah. But what's funny about these trees is that they are all massive. And this is why the giant sequoia is such an interesting and unique character in our world. It is the biggest living single-stemmed tree wow the biggest what a reveal yeah it's not the tallest in fact they generally reach about 300 and some feet tall they're You're not, talking not mass huge. i'm talking volume volume exactly. okay so they uh they're not they also do not grow the widest historically there might have actually been a redwood a coast redwood on the coast that grew in a bigger they physically was larger in diameter okay but there's also big trees, you know, all over the rest of the world. Uh, some of the tallest trees are the um, the mountain ashes, the eucalyptus trees we covered, mm. eucalyptus regnans, which I have to give so much more credit now. I feel bad I didn't give them. A, I think we got to redo them. Wow. Because I don't think I gave them the, the credit they deserve for being so huge and so massive. Like, they are 
as tall as the giant sequoias. That's incredible. Well, we've never said this, but I think it's probably because uh, of your distaste for Australians. (laughs) Alex, take it back. And I'm not editing that out. How dare you? It's time the world knew. I love Australians, I think. I met a very few, and they were all kind. You're sitting on an Australian couch. I, I was, I was, don't, wow. as I was moving into this apartment, an Australian couple down the hall was moving out, and they said, hey, do you want a couch? That's amazing. And I said, yes. And then I think if I hadn't taken that couch, I probably still to this day would not <laughs> would have a couch. not have a couch. It's just such a huge yeah. investment. I'm glad that you did that. And it's a grotesque couch. <laughs> yeah. I hate this couch, but I also love it. Hey, I love it. It's been it's been my couch also. So the giant sequoia. These are the, the General Sherman. I believe is still to this day the largest single stemmed organism that exists. Now I say this in as specific a way as possible because you have the people who are like uh, the. Um, Armillaria fungus in Eastern Oregon is the biggest living organism. The pando, the biggest living organism. I get it, I get it, I get it. I just rolled my eyes. Yeah, thank you. I understand if we need to go down to those specifics, there's always going to be one of those naysayers who's like, well, but that's fine. I get it. You're cool. You, we're all pedantic in our own ways. Mm-hmm. However, when you walk up to Germ- General Sherman, which I have been there several times, you just look at it, it stuns you yeah the, all the trees that is growing next to are just as big like they're it, it's like you stand next to a linebacker and you're just like oh my god you're huge yeah but then that linebacker stands next to a lineman who's like i'm gonna stop that linebacker and you're like oh my god you're like easily a third time bigger than that guy yeah this thing you, is shack yeah and then you look around you're like everyone is huge just so everyone's also clear, I'm not a big person. So if I was standing next to a linebacker, they would be massive compared to me. Casey's a bit of an elf man. I'm a little small guy. Yeah, I usually crawl under the door when I enter into a space. But they you jump yeah. through the keyhole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hi guys. So it's just they're they're all huge and massive, and you're walking through this forest, and you're just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh like everything is picture worthy. Yeah, because they're all giants. But the biggest of all of them is the General Sherman, and the the numbers on that twenty seven point one feet in diameter at breast height, which is about four and a half feet off the ground. Insane. The height is two hundred and seventy four feet. The volume is fifty five thousand forty feet cubed. 55,000? Yeah. I don't even know what that... I don't even know if you could fit that on a, tr- on a truck. That's like you a... probably have to get a couple. This thing's like the Titanic. Yeah, it's huge. And then there's other ones that are uh, seven or 27.9 feet, 254 feet tall. That's Washington. That's large. Yeah. General Grant, 29.0 feet diameter. God, it's just wow. like... And these things are huge. And like the first... There's like a bunch of different you know jokes about this, but they talk about like the first branch. This is like something that people would... You'll hear a lot from like kids or like, you know, the biggest... The, the biggest branch on a coast redwood or a giant sequoia is bigger than the biggest tree east of the Mississippi. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually accurately true. I okay. Don't, I don't have... I'm not even going to speculate. This is one of those trees that a tree could grow on it. Yes, exactly. Um, so what you're saying essentially yeah. is that these are the biggest trees not because they are the widest mm-hmm. or like in diameter or because they are the tallest. Yeah. But because they are the widest and the tallest. Yes, the like the widest of the tallest. Right, and yeah. the tallest of the widest. Exactly. Their proportions are such that they have maximized both of those things in order to, if you hauled them out, hold the most water. Right. Yes. 
That's it. That's very interesting. And what's interesting about them is they also grow in this very specific spot. Many of them have been cut down. So that that white guy, Rob, I changed his name to protect his identity. Oh, wasn't it? Something, well, I won't say. Yeah, please don't. Thank you. <laughs> so this random guy who's just like this logger, this you know gold hunter out there, he ran and he was like, bah, I'm going to find this tree. And then everyone came and was like, I bet you we can cut that down. And then we started cutting them down. Naturally, that's what we humans do when we find some great resource. One of these could build like several houses, yeah. especially the small houses that we used to build when we were, you know, reasonable. There's an asterisk on that, okay? Just keep that there. You could probably build a whole mining settlement out of one of these things. And I think they did, yeah, often. So, of course, we started cutting them down like gangbusters. Enter in John Muir, who John Muir, who is a famous naturalist who was buddied with uh, Teddy Roosevelt and, you know, all those kind of Gilded Age, you know, Okies. But he came over to California and was like, hold on. This is incredible. And he famously called them um, cathedrals, or like forests of cathedrals, like cathedral forests. Wow. Because as you walk in, they are such a size and grandeur that you look like you're in a cathedral yeah. with like those flying buttressed you know, ceilings that are you know, 200 feet tall, like this massive, big, beautiful canopy. Yeah. So he spearheaded a ridiculous amount of protection for these trees. And like because he was so buddy-buddy with Teddy Roosevelt, president at the time, ex-president just after that, as well as um, the very first um, uh, forest service forester, the head of the forest service, um, he ended up – it's a forest just north of us, Alex. Why can't I think of this guy's name? Gifford Pinchot. Thank you. Wow. Let's see if we can go back. Here, make this transition happen. And Gifford Pinchot. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> <David>. <laughs> he was also buddy-buddy with Gifford Pinchot, who was the first uh, forester. Like When the Forest Service was like, I now doth thee in existence, he was oh. the head of the Forest Service. Okay. And both wow. of them, all three of them, were like, this is pretty incredible. Teddy Roosevelt, famous for being a conservationist, he would say, like, we're going to make all these different places national parks because that's really important. And, like, put mm. aside a ridiculous amount of land in the West to, like, inev- to be protected forevermore, or at least used as a natural resource, whether or not protected is what it is. So we ended up um, getting this guy and these guys to actually, like, see these things. And like, John Muir also was famous for finding Yosemite and the Hetch Hetchy Valley and being like, this is the most incredible landscape in the entire world. We must protect it. Yeah. We maybe protected half of it. The rest had either already been cut down or is still getting cut down, not necessarily today, but you know, over time. But we removed a ridiculous amount of these of these trees where now they are considered not endangered, but like technically endangered but there's like so many of them planted everywhere like they are a dime a dozen here in portland i've grown a seedling and killed it that i got in the mail one time <laughs> so it's like they're they're endangered but they're right. not endangered you so, know? well casey's using air quotes here so they're like they're like endangered in their natural habitat yes exactly but they are replicated so much elsewhere that Technically, there's plenty of them. Yeah, but they only reproduce in that area, in those those mountains. Oh, really? We can grow them and like reproduce them ourselves. But let's say we just right now stop, like humans eat, just poof, gone. All the sequoias outside of their natural range will probably grow and die. How long that takes? It could be literally thousands of years. Yeah. However... The ones that grow outside of that range are very unlikely to reseed themselves in. 
So wow, why, and I I cannot find any good information as to why this is. There are theories, but I can't. There's nothing that definitively says here's why they don't grow over here or over here or over here or over here. But generally, because it's just not the, the right climate for it, them. Yeah, it's generally not the, not the right climate. Like maybe it gets too cold, too wet, too dry. Yeah. all these kinds of things. They're very adapted to that specific specific climate. And I respect it, man. Yeah, and some people also think that it has to do with. Um, Fungus. We talked about this with the uh, meta sequoia, uh-huh. where their mycorrhizal fungi is what's called arbuscular, where they grow into the roots and then like put these little tree-like, you know, filaments inside the roots. Uh, Parasitic the individual cells. Is that no? It's mycorrhizal. So they they basically grow in to create a connection, and then they are all working together. So. This has been developed with the, the arbuscular fungus, is what they're called, or arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi. Great news. The problem is that kind of fungi, there's like hundreds of species, whereas the endomycorrhizal fungi, uh, they grow on the, or I'm sorry, the ecto, ecto, endo, ecto, the ones that grow on the outside of the roots and kind yeah. of put a sheath around the roots rather than growing into them. Exo? Uh, no, it would be, I, it, I believe it is uh, in, or ecto. Okay. E-C-T-O. Got it. Um, there's like thousands and thousands of those kind. So it's like, okay, you have a certain kind of tree that is really rare, and then you have a kind of fungus that only grows with it that's also, you know, comparatively rare. So the theory is that maybe that has something to do with it. Oh, They're not quite sure. Sure. But again, that plus climate plus all the other things, the tree has just only found this little refuge, and that's where it grows. We've cut it down famously. There's forest fires that just came through. You remember this last year? Mm-hmm. You heard about it? Yeah. These trees are fire resistant. Half these trees that we just showed you in these books, General Sherman, Grant, all those, yeah. they have massive fire scars going up the sides of their trunks. And that is from a fire that happened maybe hundreds of years ago, maybe 200 years ago, maybe just a couple of years ago. They they deal with fire. That's what they do. It's pretty cool. And then they come back. Or they just keep living, and then they just pop out new, uh, new stuff, and they just kick it. So when the... I think it was last year they were being wrapped in like fire retardant uh, yeah. foil. Mm-hmm. Was that even necessary? You know, it kind of is, but one could argue that they're already wrapped in fire retardant <laughs> material. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. it's, their bark is, is that material. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, yes, it probably helps save the trees. The trees themselves want to live. The forest is going to just rebound. Its timeline is literally thousands of years. So it's like, shut that stop. If it dies, that's fine. I don't care. I'm I'm going to keep growing. There's a little seedling right there that just sprouted because that's how they also sprout is after fire. So it's one of those things where with climate change, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll just get wiped off the face of the planet. Right. But with these fires that come through, we're trying to save them because we don't want to take the chance, you know, of sure. losing these incredible giants. Of course. Um, and I think the they ended up cutting something like, uh, or not cutting, killing some crazy amount of of trees i think it's like 10 to 14 percent is what i read of the entire sierra nevada population Yikes! and it's like wow that's how few trees there are a few of them die and it's like 10 percent of the entire population yeah so it's it's a really crazy thing and it's like okay yes we definitely have to protect it they are endangered in their natural habitat but the trees themselves are like i got this i've been doing it for a long time i'll do it forevermore don't worry about it. But it's just those difference uh, in how we view time and life, you know? These trees are like, yeah, I, I, I got this. Right. Don't worry about it. We, I mean, that, we, we've talked about this so much uh, that it's almost redundant to say, but, you know, 
we instill these trees with human attributes and mm-hmm. we look at them from a human perspective. Yeah. So to us, it's like we're alive right now. The tree is alive right now. Uh, we and must maintain this. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's bordering almost, almost selfish or, or oh, certainly hubristic. Yes. Where we're like, oh, we must save these endangered trees. Right. And it's like, well, maybe if we just like didn't kill them already, it's like, yeah, decimate a population and then take what's left over under your, under your arm. Because if you don't, then they're probably like going to die. Cause now they're, now they're just, you know, in, in the dire straits. That's an abusive relationship. It totally is. <laughs> Oh my God! We should write that up. It's like uh, a, some the abusive relationship of humans and nature, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we just do that cycle. We harm it, oh, and then God. we protect it from being harmed. Oh my goodness, Alex! And we make it think that we're the only one who can protect it. Oh jeez, Casey! Oh my God! Let's get into our review of the giant as fuck sequoia. Yep, the biggest tree. Uh, here's how it works. We're gonna give some final thoughts and arguments about this tree. And then give it a cone score. Zero to ten golden cones of honor. Yep. As a resident expert, we will begin with you. Alex. Wow. I am I don't even know where to start. These, as John Muir said, uh described them rather, as a cathedral of trees. Yeah. Yes. It's absolutely the case. There's I say this about certain things, and I've only experienced a certain, only experienced a certain part of the world. It just so happens that part is California, and that that section of the world has some of the most amazing trees in it. Similar to China, I think I brought this up, where like those two places have this really strange. Uh, like situation of having these like old refuge kind of habitats of these trees that you can't find anywhere else. So. California has that for the sequoias, the coast redwoods, and the bristlecone pines. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing trees. Got it on lock. And every time you go see the uh, any of these trees, they're just like, they all blow your mind for different reasons. Because one is like this tropical almost uh temperate rainforest i know i just said tropical almost but it's temperate rainforest right on the coast mm-hmm. with their heads in the clouds the whole time in branches all the way down then you have the giant sequoias which are like growing in the this dry almost parched landscape and then you look up and they're just like these things that have been you you think that they have roots that go all the way down into the ocean four thousand feet and several hundred miles away then you see the old bristlecone pines and you're like you look like you're just a a octopus strapped onto the side of a rock but you've done that for 5000 years each one is just like mind blowing in its own right so these trees are the biggest i love a superlative tree you do this one has made it this one is the superlative of the superlative whenever anyone thinks about trees they always want to find the biggest one casey has a big grin on his face i do it's because i think these trees are almost almost perfect wow in every way they get a 9.9 <gasps> Wow. Golden Cones of Honor. Very impressive. They are they they they're the best. They're just they're it, they they boggle the imagination. Well deserved. I think they are so well deserved. And not to mention they're fire resistant. They you can burn up the side of them and they'll just be like, "Meh, not fun." Yeah. They they seem to be otherworldly. They really are. They they and they <clears throat> they kind of are. I mean, they've existed for thousands and thousands of years, yeah. millions of years. So, I'm I want to know what these forests would look like, you know, a couple million years ago mm-hmm. where they were probably 
all the way up and down the West Coast, all the way over past into the Rockies. Like, if they were growing in all these different areas, like throughout and past and beyond and during the Ice Ages, man, what would they look like? What was the biggest tree of those populations? Right. You know what I mean? Because everything was just bigger back then, right? Yeah, and there was no disturbance. And theoretically, even with all the, the three big trees we talked about, the sequoia, the coast redwood, and the mountain ash in uh, eucalyptus, uh-huh. All three of those trees, legend has it, were way bigger. Like they measured some that were like redwoods over 400 feet tall and eucalyptus. They were way over 375 feet. Like we've we've allegedly measured these things, but no one has been able to actually prove it. So there's legends of these trees that we cut down or fell down and then we measured it and they were way bigger than the biggest one that we see now by Mm. like, like substantial amounts. So I can only imagine if, uh, you know, luck of the draw has it 200 years ago, we found some of the biggest ones that we knew of. What would they have been like if you like had millions of years worth of time? Did we get one that maybe was like 420 feet tall, 425, can I get a 430? Can I get, yeah. (laughs) The mind boggles. The mind boggles. Anyway. All right. 9.9 golden cones of honor. For the giant sequoia from Dendrologist Casey Clapp. I'm just so excited. Everyone needs to go see him. It's a big one. Yeah. Uh, I mean that in a couple ways. <laughs> exactly. I would love. To, I would actually love to take a trip down there yeah. and, and see these trees. You absolutely should. Summertime's the best time, it's, although it's a little bit hot. Yeah. yeah. Well. Alex, what do you think? It is now time for your review of this monarch of a giant. Well, I think the giant sequoia is pretty special. Yeah, it's got a lot. It's got a lot of uh, you know everything accolades. I would call them. That's a good. That's a good term. Uh, like you, I'm a fan of of a superlative tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've said before. I've said before. I I like a tree that you can see the whole thing. Mm. This is not one of those. It's a nine pluser for sure. Okay. I okay. know that off the bat. Yeah, you don't have any question. I I think the I, you know I I like a I lo- love conifers. Uh, I love things that grow on trees that aren't leaves, you know? I love f- f- the fruits, I think, are, are very, like, full of character. Uh-huh. And cones are very full of character. Mm-hmm. I think the cone on this thing is just okay. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Um, actually, here's a little teaser. Uh, one of our 2022 Cone of the Month Club cones what? will be a giant sequoia. You're kidding me. You're telling that you're just letting that out right now? I am. Wow. Everyone, get on board. This is an exclusive yeah, seriously. Uh, so, patreon.com slash sharp <clears throat> Uh I think this giant sequoia mm-hmm. lands for me around 9.6. Oh, okay. So 9.65. Like, okay, yeah. So, it's almost a 9.6. In fact, if, if we were rounding, we would go up to 9.7. Correct. Okay, I see. Uh yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm going. Wow. I, think it's a, I think it's a very cool tree. I think it's very impressive. Uh, I I don't even think it's uh, deserving of me uh, giving it a rating. It's because it's just too. It's a. It's sort of above that. Yeah, you know? I see what you're saying. I I like that. I think it's a good rating. I think that's. I think it's well deserved. Thank you, Casey. And since we both rated it over a nine point it's in a club of its own. It is an official inductee. Wow. In the Golden Arboretum of Honor. This is amazing. And so we play the official theme song on the melodica for the Arboretum, the Olympics theme, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't realize until later. Lowercase O, okay? 
And so we say to the giant Sequoia, welcome to the club. We honor you. Congratulations. <laughs> well done. Every time you do that, I just imagine like a a slow montage of like, you know, looking at the tree blowing in the wind and like fading to a really close up of the branch, like swaying ever so slightly. Right. Like, something that's really cheese ball. A child's hand on the bark. Yeah. Like looking up, panning yeah. slowly. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Influencers in front of the tree, in front of General <laughs> Sherman. Just taking pictures. If an influence ever goes there, I, I guess that would be good. Hashtag wonders of the forest. Oh, my God. Alex, uh, <laughs> get out of here. Move on. That was our review of the giant sequoia, a giant success, Casey. Oh, my God. Almost a perfect tree. Almost a perfect tree. Huh. Casey, it's time for a new segment on this show. What? Where we talk about the etymology of a tree term in depth. This is Cult of Etymology. Cult of Etymology. Cult of Etymology. Uh, Case. Alex. This is a brand new segment we've never done before. <laughs> We're going to get a, uh, a tree term. We're, we have done some research beforehand. We're going to talk about the etymology a subject that you, you and I both love. Yes, we enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, about a tree term and find out where this word comes from. Mostly English, but we're going to touch a bit on Spanish as well. That's true. We're only touching on English mostly because you and I are native speakers. It happens to be that that is the case. I would like to say we've done research into it and under no circumstances do I say or do I endorse my own research. Okay. I I just, you know. A yeah, science podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm always afraid of doing something that I don't know very well, which is kind of what I do half the time I do this podcast. I'm like, well, let's look into train routes. You know what? I think that's completely fine. Okay. Good. Anybody who has an issue with it, email me. Yeah. <laughs> at suckmyass at arbitrarypod.com. Wow. Why did we spend money on that? <laughs> We've never used it once. <laughs> We've never used it, but we have got a lot of emails to it. <laughs> Casey, um,. This week's term on cults of etymology, we, we are starting with a pretty basic one, uh, and in the future we'll branch out, yep. no pun intended, please. Uh, thank you. This is strictly a normal usage term. Yes. And this week we are talking about the word tree. Yeah. Tree is a noun. It means a tree. <laughs> oh. Uh, so Casey... Let's, 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 uh, we're, we're referencing a few different sources. Yep. Etym online, E-T-Y-M-Online.com is our main etymology dictionary. Oh, yeah, which is the, uh, the online etymology dictionary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a great resource. I highly recommend it to anybody. Um, so let's, let's start at the beginning. Yes. Uh, Old English. Ah, Old English. It's like English, but old, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, treo or triao. T-R-E-O-W, uh, which just means tree. Yeah. 
Um, this is from Proto Germanic, so before Germanic, mm-hmm. as yeah. Proto means. Mm-hmm. Trewam. Trewam is from Proto Indo European. Pi. Or Pi. Uh, sorry, yeah. Yes, P I E, which is where you're going to hear a lot. Pi. Yeah, I'm going to start. I'm going to try to say Proto Indo European, though. It is, it is fun to say, yeah. and it's more accurate. It, it feels good. Um, so, Proto Indo European is where a. a Basically, uh, what would you say? Like many, 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 many languages. Yes. Oh, my God. Like almost every language from the Middle East, the Indian subcontinent, uh-huh. and Europe, all of those languages have a languages, have likely one common ancestor of a, they call them in etymology or in these kinds of like explorations, they call them cultures. So Mm. um, when it's like, we don't know who these people were, we don't know what, you know, they didn't have a nation name or anything like that, but we can say that they culturally had this thing in common, right? Right. So they would say, well, this was the Clovis culture. We know because they did these same things and they all had these same tools. And this was a, the Proto-Indo-European culture. Right. But they strictly are talking about language. Yes. Uh, so many of these things, the, the sort of the taproot, if you will, oh. is Proto-Indo-European. Yes, correct. Uh, so that uh, Proto-Germanic triwam, mm-hmm. and of course I'm not pronouncing that right, forgive me, uh, comes from druo, uh, the Proto-Indo-European druo, which is a suffixed variant form of the root deru. Yes. This is D-E-R-U mm-hmm. dash, if you want to be specific. Yes. Uh, which means be firm, solid, or steadfast. Which is so fascinating. It's talking about trees. You know, yes. Because they are those things, right? Exactly. So Daru is that is that root uh, that we get many, many tree terms from, yeah, Casey. Which I think is so good because then that ends up like kind of expanding out to a bunch of different things. We brought up the idea of druids, which are people who are like knowing of the trees and they like look to trees in sort of these pagan religious ideas and yeah. like nature as a larger sense. And they were the wise people, kind of like this wise sort of educated class in these old societies. Yeah. So I likely their name also came from this very similar uh, place. Absolutely it did. Uh, Daru, some other some other terms you might be familiar with, dendro, as in dendrology, mm-hmm. the study of trees. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, it comes from Daru. And dendron, well, we talked on, talked on that today. Dendron is just referring to trees. I think it was Greek, uh, which is another proto-Indo-European language that uses dendrite as the term for a uh, dendron for a tree. That's right. Uh, we have some more information here from this same segment. Uh, the widespread use of words originally meaning oak in the sense tree probably reflects the importance of the oak to Indo-Europeans. Yeah. Uh, so this is saying that the word oak, the, I mean, the words that they, that proto-Indo-European yeah. uh, cultures, if you will, used for oak and for tree were essentially interchangeable. Exactly. And that, this is so fascinating. There's a, a quick article that, um, we have a, we'll have a post to, it's called, uh, the the truth about uh, I'm sorry why all English trees may actually be oak by this guy named uh, Vili Manlua, and essentially it's exactly that where the words um, initially were just oak tree they they would that was the the prototypical oak or, or I'm sorry the prototypical tree was an oak yes so they would say oh that's an oak tree but then it would just be like oh that's an oak and then at some point they just called everything oak right and they have this uh, this kind of uh, 
evidence because in Welsh and Greek, um, it's words that actually today mean oak that have the same base that go back to where we kind of do this weird circle and come back to tree, which is um, Derwin and Dries or Driss. And then that connected to Doru, connected to Deru, and all the way back and back and back. Yeah. It is, so I, an, anal- an analogy you could draw here is like, when a name brand becomes that noun. Yes. Oh my God, Alex, that's such a great example. I just, I, that's so tree is, is a brand. Yeah. Well, Oak. Yes. Yeah. Well, Oak would be the brand. Oh, tree is I the see. object. Ah, gotcha. So there are generic trees. There is the capital generic, right. The, the, the uh, brand, I guess, not generic. Will you hand me a Kleenex? Well, the, technically, this is a Kroger brand tissue. Aha! Uh-huh, facial uh, tissue. Yes. Uh, I would love you, that. Would you look at that oak? Well, technically, that's a fir tree. That is so funny. I love... I want to mess with that idea for a while. Because then you could, like... Uh, if everything was an oak tree, that's... I love that. That was a perfect metaphor, Alex. Thank you, Casey. Yeah, that, was, that, that, that has blown me away. Uh, for Dutch... In German, we have a couple fun things here, Casey. Yeah. Dutch boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, German baum. Yep. The usual words for tree. Uh, this is where we draw the word beam. And that, I we brought this up when we talked about horn beam. Yes. Mm-hmm. And white beam, and there's other different trees that have that. So that actually comes from the German, which would, or uh, the German word something beam, which then was changed from the o sound to which is a e to the e sound e e or a e that's right e a <laughs> anyway o versus e and apparently that's very common in old english where just at some point people started pronouncing it differently as you went further northeast away from the germanic tribes towards what is now britain England, those people started saying the E version of these words, and other people kept the O version of these words. Wasn't it purported that, purported, again. Hey, that's coming up a lot. That uh, the reason for some of those things, uh, the reason English is sort of such a, a, a ever-changing mess, yes. is that, you know, the original written English uh, on a mass level uh-huh. was the printing of Bibles. Yes, I heard this. Uh, often, uh, Bible uh, printing, or rather printing in general, uh-huh. um, print setting, yeah. was uh, sort of an immigrant job. Yes, yes, we did uh, read that somewhere. I think somewhere. specifically, was it Polish? Um, I think it was. Like, there was just one Polish typesetter who yeah. just, like, did it and was like, I think this is how they pronounce it. So they would do, do it, they would sort of spell these things phonetically. Yeah, which was not the correct way in, in, like, in that In English, language. yeah. <laughs> but over time, those things just kind of inundated the culture. That is so funny. Culture. Honestly, they, there's a lot of things to say about nature, um, and culture and these kinds of things where they happen. So the the analogy that I'm thinking of is there's theories now um, about the way that uh, evolution happens, where evolution happens. A lot of people say, well, you have these populations, and then slowly, but they they change and they diverge, and then yeah. you know they sometimes converge, and so then you have these differences in in the, the populations. They've now evolved and you know, changed. Whereas with language, it's the it's the same thing where you have like two different languages split, and then they start saying things differently. Now they're different languages. Yeah. But the uh, having that weird like Polish like this one weird thing come in and just like 
change something, it's like a virus where it changes the genes in just a specific area, mm-hmm. causes a mutation. That mutation, for whatever reason, sticks around, and then you get this new trait or this new gene or this new species. And then when those all intermix, like it just kind of throws this weird monkey wrench into evolution and be like, well, what about this? Yeah. I love that. Man, I love that too. Language is, is just en- endlessly fascinating it to me. It is endless. And we also get the base for the words true, which also means like hard and sturdy and uh the like yeah uh i i that's maybe my favorite takeaway is the word true and the word tree sort of come from the same place yeah which is just beautiful there's something to that casey there's gotta be someone write me a poem (laughs) um so yeah there you have it uh that is that is the 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 root or that is the uh source of the word tree deru proto-indo-european so fascinating uh, Druo, uh, also. Druo, steadfast, solid, firm, the truth. That's what you get when you listen to completely arbitrary. That's right. You know what? I endorse our research now. <laughs> wow, we're Done. good now. We did it. That was Cult of Etymology. Cult of Etymology. Did you say etymology, Casey? Did I? What am I supposed to say? Etymology. Oh, we said it about 15 shoot. times. Hey, Case. Alex. It's time for the completely arbitrary Q&A. Bam, 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 bam. This week, our question is from Billy Nelson. Billy writes, hello. When I was little, I learned that pine cones can tell you when they are thirsty, quote, thirsty. In quotes, yeah. My science teacher told us that when they open up, they need water, and if you put them in water, they close. So, I went to the park and picked out a little pine pet of my own to nurture. (laughs) That's adorable. My question is, what cone would make the best pet and why? I... I love that question. Follow-up question. This is a two-parter. What would you name your new pet? Thank you, Billy. Uh, Billy, thank you. Hey, Billy included a little PS. Mm? Your souls are beautiful, and I love your podcast. Thank you for existing. Oh, my gosh. Billy, without question, thank you. Billy, I won't lie. I needed that today. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Casey, what what is this thirsty cone business all about? Okay, so this question is very good, and I love it. So first off, I want to address address her science teacher. Um, Unfortunately... Um, it is right, but I think it might be like I'm. I'm really curious about the 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 uh, the age, not the age, the the age of schooling of this science teacher. Oh, sure. Where if it's for children, that that sounds good. You know, they're cones, they're thirsty, but the the cones aren't like living and photosynthesizing and doing anything. Yeah. The way they open and close is you know fundamentally how much water is inside of their their cells and like the wood. So when they're fully. Uh, uh, filled with water, the pressure is such that it pushes them close. But then when they dry, the outer or the bottom side of those cone scales dries quicker and like loses more water and it condenses way faster and that's how the cone opens up interesting so it has like this like lever action that happens because one side has more water than the other that's really interesting. Um, so, it, yeah, the, yes, okay, but the tree, the you know, the cone isn't thirsty. It's not like a, a plant that droops. That's how you can tell it's thirsty. It's like, no, that's how you can tell it's about to die. Yeah. You should have watered it weeks ago. That is, like, that's, you know, that's the same turgor pressure inside the cells that goes down and then comes back up when yeah, you fill it with water. I love that. 
So that is, you know, two different things. But I love the idea if it's like for kids being like, this cone's thirsty, and then show them how the cones like move and do water stuff. I think that's great. I, I've done that with uh, putting them in jars. They wouldn't fit in a jar. So I put them underwater, and then they closed up a little bit, and I stuffed them in a jar, and they opened back up. So when they hydrate, they close because uh, because of the opposite reason why they open. Yes. They <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, Alex. Yeah, exactly. So they, uh, so in that case, you know, then you dry them out in the cone. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. So um, here's the real question, though, had nothing to do with that. Billy asks, what cone would make the best pet and why? Yeah. I have no idea, but... I've got an answer. I I picture, Alex, I picture that yeah, you'd, want, you'd want a cone pet that like does something you know mm-hmm. like you want to you don't want to be like there's some that once they open they're just like i'm open now and they just stay like a working cone yeah exactly like a farm dog exactly like a larch you know when it's open when you put it in the water it's just gonna be like well, whatever I'm, i don't care i'm yeah. just gonna stay like this i think that the best would be a sugar maple great answer. here's here's why i'm not sure a sugar I, pine what am i Casey. even saying oh my gosh what is this show the sugar pine, their cones are like, you know, feet long. They're massive. So that big gigantic pine cone will uh, look big. Like it'll be wide, it'll be open, and it will just be a massive, huge, perfect piece of structure. However, every now and then when it gets wet, they close up like a little like soggy tail on a dog. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, and they just stay there. And they look minuscule. And you're like, there's nothing to it. Like that's a tiny little cone. Yeah. But then you add a little sunshine to them and they're just like, whoa. Add a little yeah. bit of sunshine, and the cones are open right up. Wow! So that's what uh, that's what I think is really cool, and that's what I think is uh, that's what my pet would be because it's got the most action to it. It's a pet that doesn't just sit there. It's no pet rock. That's this a, cone. That's a border collie you got yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So that's I like the I like the intense action. Great, which is based on the size of the cone. Love it. Yeah, and what would I name it? I'd name it um, uh, Maple because I made that mistake. Oh, sure. It's like naming it's a little it, inside joke. Yeah, my friends named a uh, named their cat chicken and i love that mm. casey i want a guard cone ah okay okay to protect me yeah uh <laughs> and you know uh, i'm going with a coulter pine eh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and call. uh and i'm gonna go with really something really cliche and 90s and call it spike yeah, good and put a collar on it that says spike yeah and like beware of cone it'll fuck you up yeah all right that sounds good that's i like that idea but also if you if you hold it correctly it could be quite cuddly yeah and you know especially when it's closed it's quite uh, it's quite fine like yeah. it doesn't hurt you but then as soon as you leave it in the sun i actually put one in a fire oh, like a couple months ago mm. and it literally shot the cones or the seeds out of the cone what the hell are you doing yeah. oh the seeds not the scales yes I was gonna yeah. say, if it shot the scales out of the cone you'd like, be oh, stuck it's full of yeah it's like a porky pine. cultured pine <laughs> there you go yeah so uh, that's I, I that's i think it's a good answer alex thanks yeah spike the cone let us know what you would name yeah. your cone pet uh in the comments of this Instagram post for this episode. We need a better way to do Alex, uh, no, interaction. That was, that was well said. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Billy, for your question. If you have a question about trees for Casey or me and or me, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. Follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. Or you could support this little podcast that could mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You could join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month about trees and other related topics. Or 
Very prestigious, very cool, very cute Cone of the Month Club. It's extremely cute. You get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist sent to you every single dang month. Casey Clapp. Huh. We've done it again. I'm sweating over here. I just I loved this episode. I liked it too. It was very circuitous conversation. And sort of a sort of a giant episode for a giant tree. That's I think it's very about. fitting. Feels good. Uh mm. well Congratulations. Congratulations to you, my friend. And happy birthday, Alex. Thanks, Case. Happy to do it. Uh you know what? Here's to uh I did want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. This last year of my life mm-hmm. had its ups and downs. True. For sure. Yeah. Some huge ups, some huge downs. Yeah. But the biggest up by far was starting this podcast with you. Aww. I appreciate you as a friend and a business partner, uh, as a creative collaborator. And I was happy to spend the 32nd year of my life doing this, and I hope to be doing it for the, the 33rd as well. I second that. It's been a wonderful ride. Again, ups, downs, changes of all sorts. But oh, yeah. I have to say, this has been the, the solid like continuation of things being nice and good. Collaborating with you has been the, the best thing of my life. It's been, wow. It's been spectacular. What a nice thing to say. Yeah, thanks for doing it. Hey, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to this podcast, this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 